Hey, hey, welcome to a brand new episode of Shades of Us, the review. I am Ramat. So I got a review request today. What? what? <laughs> so Matthew Smart from Worry in Delta State, Nigeria, is a documentary filmmaker and he asked me to review one of the best films I have ever watched. And boy, was I excited to get on this. So drumroll, the movie I'm reviewing today is Dear White People. You're listening to Winchester University's only college radio station. Dear white people, the minimum requirement of black friends needed to not seem racist has just been raised to two. Sorry, but your weed man, Tyrone, does not count. Dear white people, please stop touching my hair. Does this look like a petting zoo to you? Mistress in, dating a black person to piss off your parents is a form of racism. Show is racist. Black people can't be racist. Racism describes a system of disadvantage based on race. But I don't see what the point is in blaming white folks for everything. I really don't see the issue. Never ran into any lynch mobs. It'd be good to elect someone like you as school president. Someone else is running. Together, we can bring black back to Winchester. Who does Sam think she is? It's like Spike Lee and Oprah had some sort of pissed off baby. <laughs> I love this film so much. It is just epic. But before I even talk about all of that, let me talk about some facts about the film. Dear White People is a 2014 American comedy drama film written, directed, and co-produced by Justin Simeon. The film focuses on escalating racial tensions at a fictitious, prestigious Ivy League college from the perspective of several black students. It stars Tyler James Williams, who is famous for his role in um, Everybody Hates Chris, Tessa Thompson, uh, Tayona Paris, Brandon Peebel, Carl Gallner, Brittany Curran, Mark Richardson, and Dennis Haysbert, the handsome, delicious-looking Dennis Haysbert. Yes, I know he's a silver fox and he's old, and, but he is just... Mm -mm -mm. Anyway, those are the people who are in the film. The film premiered in competition in the U.S. dramatic category at the 2014 Sundance Film Festival on January 18, 2014. The film had a theatrical um, release in the United States on October 17, 2014. In 2017, the film was adapted into a Netflix series of the same, same name. And trust me, it is that good when your film is converted into a series because everybody just wants to have more of it so let's look at some of the cast crew technical aspects of the film yeah um like i said it was directed by justin simeon uh, it was produced by effie brown and lee julia lebedev um angel lopez justin simeon and lena waith interesting story with lena waith um it was written, like, like I said, by Justin Simeon. The music was by Catherine Bostick. And the cinematography was by Tofa Osborne. I have to give it up. I know I'm going to talk about this, but I have to give it up for the cinematographer. What? I mean, Tofa was so on fire. The picture quality of DIY people is just super fantastic. You just have to ask yourself, why is this so beautiful? The lighting, the beauty the reflection on the black people's skin i mean they had different kinds of black different colors of black people and yet it wasn't off it was the coloring oh my god i need to just see him and 
kiss him and say thank you for doing something so beautiful it was edited by philip j Butter, and he did fantastic work like some of the clips the, the interplay the switches from scene to scene the playback over scene to, oh my god you know it's one of those kind of projects that you watch and you feel like wow this is actually a film school on its own but i'm saying too much <laughs> the production companies were code red films duly noted and homegrown pictures it was distributed by lions gate roadside attractions and the release date was january 18 2014 like i said at the sundance film festival it runs for 108 minutes and the budget for the film was one million dollars guess how much it made at the box office 5.4 million dollars uh, you know five times over the budget it's not much but i mean it made good money so the cast like i said tessa thompson was samantha or sam white as she was called tyler james was Lionel higgins kylie galner was cut fletcher the racist cut fletcher um tayona paris was colandria coco connors i mean she dropped her name from colandria to coco about god come on with those names our names black people names it's funny and i love it you know it, it makes us who we are um brandon p bell was troy fairbanks and malcolm barrett uh was helmut west dennis hazebert was the dean and uh, Brittany Curran was Sophie Fletcher. And then Mackie Richardson was um, Reggie. Surprisingly, when I was doing the research for this, we had a lot of white people who played really small roles in the film in the top list of the cast. And I was like, why? Sophie was just so unmemorable in the film and yet her name was among the top but even some of the black people who had you know bigger roles didn't have the you know i'm just gonna let that slide yes this is <laughs> the kind of racism we're going to talk about this film is crazy um so simeon that's justin simeon spent five years writing the script that's what they call dedication he believed him in, in himself. <laughs> so this started in 2017 and he spent five years writing it. In 2018, he made a trailer to promote and gain attention and funds for his project, which went viral. Everybody was talking about it. I wasn't even so into film then, but I knew that everybody was talking about it. I knew the story. I followed the story. I was like, okay, who's this dude? And what's he doing? You know. But it was what it was. He also launched a campaign at Indiegogo to raise $25,000. But he got an overwhelming response and managed to raise $40,000 instead for the project. Now, the project won IndieWire's Project of the Year title. And Simeon was later invi invited to the 2013 Tribeca Film Festival to participate in filmmaker um, industry meetings hosted by the festival. Justin Simeon did good for himself. <laughs> so talking about the Tribeca Film Festival, Simeon said that they had lots of meetings with lots of studios and they had lots of conversations and with distributors. And basically, they decided that the best offer for them on amongst all of that was an independent financier, which was the Code Red um, Films, represented by Julie Lebedev. It was important that they went, because, you know, there are certain studios that take your film and they change the narrative, or, you know, they cut out scenes that you think may be important. As a filmmaker, you have to understand some of these dynamics of the game, because it's he who pays the piper that you know. So, um, I think it was important that they went with an independent financier, and they went with someone who... Understand. 
to the depth and the dynamics of the film and let it be and i think code red took a took a leap and right now they're enjoying the benefits of that it's raising conversation all over um like the united states some other countries where racism is a big deal and stuff like that well um the photography principal photography took place in late september 2013 in minnesota including um at the university of minnesota and other locations at minneapolis and st paul in los angeles uh, including the ucla campus speaking of ucla um lava ball has pulled out his son from that is totally unrelated today. i don't even know why i brought this up but i'm just gonna go on <laughs> It took 19 days to film Dear White People. Shocked? A lot of Africans will not be because we shoot some of our biggest projects in seven days, five days. I have shot a film for two days. I have shot a film in one day and it's crazy. So um, 19 days was a good one. And usually, you know, um, Hollywood, a lot of time is spent. People spend maybe six, but Justin didn't have all that money to spend maybe a, a year, two years shooting a film or maybe 10 years in some cases, like Avatar, like, you, you know, he didn't have that time or that money so he just did what he had to do in 19 days and to have shot that in 19 days tells a lot about how brilliant all of it is um Sabian shot the film with the red epic digital camera oh my god i just had a camera guys in thinking about that camera i want to work with that camera soon girl soon anyway and he said that he wanted to shoot he he so loved what the red does and he wanted to shoot with it <sighs> and i just envy him i wish i had that camera so i could work with it their white people grossed $347,959 in its first weekend in only 11 theaters went on to earn $4.4 million in a limited theatrical run finishing as the third highest grossing film to come out of the 2014 Sundance Film Festival. So Rotten Tomatoes, known for throwing Rotten Tomatoes at hardworking filmmakers, <laughs> rated Dear White People a 91% based on 124 reviews with an average rating of 7.5 over 10 the site said basically that dear white people adds a welcome new voice to cinema's often neglected discussion of race tackling its timely themes with intelligence honesty and gratifyingly sharp wit yes i have said this on other episodes of my podcast when black movies are done that has to do with race or that portrays black people in a certain light they always get great reviews. They always get great ratings. But when you have a black film, say, like Ride Along, where it's action-packed or it's comedy or stuff like that, you know, the ratings go down. They'll be like, oh, he's trying too hard. Like, people expect us to be angry. So when we talk about race, they're like, oh, yeah, the black angry people are back. Or maybe we're portrayed as gangsters. And they're like, oh, yes, this is the black people we know. I will talk about that some more as this goes on. Well, um, Metacritic also had good rating, 79 out of 100, based on 32 critics. And they said it was generally favorable. Hmm. So here's some trivia about the film. One particularly that I liked, um, the flame on the candle in Sam's room on Halloween night was static, revealing that it was fake. I mean, whoever noticed that was just good. But there were just very few, you know, um... What do they call it? 
goofs about the film i just i just switched that goofs not trivia now let's talk about some of the trivia for the film uh the invitation for the party as shown in the trailer is almost verbatim the invitation for a real life party that occurred at the university of california san diego on february 10 2010 the synopsis and the film take many cues from um the university of california uh compton cookout an event that was run by one african-american but attended by um the predominantly white and asian student body the event itself went fine but news about it prompted a massive uproar on campus another trivia is that sam makes a student film that is critical of what she sees as white people's widespread fear of barack obama and titles its rebirth of a nation this is a reference not only to uh, D.W. Griffith's notoriously racist 1915 Civil War movie, The Birth of a Nation, but also um, to something that filmmaker uh, Spike Lee experienced when he, he was a first-year student at uh, NYU's graduate film school. After being required to watch Griffith's film and objecting to the fact that his professors taught it only as a milestone in the technical development of cinema, with no attention to its racism or its legacy of helping to relaunch the KKK, Spike Lee made a student short film titled The Answer in 1980 that responded to the birth of a nation himself. The answer so offended many of his NYU professors that Spike Lee was nearly expelled from NYU but was ultimately saved by a faculty vote. So, Justin Simeon knows his history. He knows his, he knows the stuff that's good and Spike Lee has been doing movies about race consciousness forever. Anywho, um, producer Lena Waith and writer-director Simeon met at a scriptwriter's group and despite the fact that the script was over 200 pages long, Waith was so impressed with Simeon's writing that she told him that if he could figure out a way to streamline the script, she would produce it, despite having never produced a film before. And girl, I am so impressed with her because, you know, she invested in something that she had not done before. She she invested in something that was different. She invested in something that was new. And it paid off. Because beyond the movie, there's a series now that is on Netflix. And they're making crazy money for that. So, um, yes, sometimes you have to look at opportunities and just stand on it and, and love it and do whatever you can and give it the best that you can so that you can get what you want out of life. And I am proud of... um. Nina Waith for that. And the theme of the frat party exhibiting blatant racism parallels the Martin Luther King Day celebration that took place at Arizona State University in January 2014. So disrespectful of us. During an argument, Reggie tells Sam that when he first saw her, he thought she was from Puerto Rico. In real life, um, the actress Tessa Thompson is Afro-Panamian and of Mexican descent. So, that's about it on the trivia about their white people. So, it has won a couple of awards. It's been entered into a couple of categories. So far, it has won four awards. The 2015 Spirit Awards, the 2014 Palm Springs International Film Awards, the 2014 Sundance Film Festival um, Awards for U.S. Dramatic Special Jury Award for Breakthrough Talent, uh, the Gotham Independent Film Awards for Breakthrough 
actor and uh, in that same category justin simeon was nominated for the bingham ray breakthrough director award um yeah like i said the breakthrough actor was tessa thompson which he won but for the most part justin simeon has been the one who has received the awards because he is fantastic his mind is fantastic imagine having written that for over five years directed it to such perfection and produced it give giving your money and time to produce it to ensure that it was worthy i think it did well so what is this storyline about dear white people that makes it so fantastic dear white people is a social satire that follows the stories of four black students at an ivy league college where controversy breaks out over a popular but offensive blackface party thrown by white students with tongue planted firmly in cheek the film explores racial identity in acute not post-racial America while weaving a universal story of forging one's unique path in the world. Everyone can relate to that, whether you're white, you're black, green, blue, whatever race you are. Um, so I have a couple of favorite scenes from Dear White People. You trust that I will have some. But before then, the cast was fantastic, beautiful, very, very beautiful, dark skin. Even though in a way, Justin Simeon, it kind of felt like the darker skinned girl was the bad girl. I'm like, God, can we stop doing that? But I, I was glad because they were all kinds of black people you know they were just well technically not all kinds there were no fat black people fat and you know i use that term liberally um they weren't big people it was just you know all cute looking black people justin simeon i see what you did there but generally the the cast is beautiful because if we were talking about racism as it is for the skin tone the cast was well chosen right the cinematography i've talked about it but i will talk about it again such a beautiful film such it was so well done the light and the ah i mean it was just fantastic the, the interplay of scenes and roles and all of that another thing that's fantastic is the art direction it was it was good come on and whoever is the costumier we need to praise the crew more because the costumier did well i loved how tessa's hair was up i loved the afros on those who had afros the weaves the truth it was true because you could just see it and realize that this is this is the real deal this is the kind of black people you see those who wear weaves those who keep their natural hair those who have you know better i didn't say better those who have the less tangly hair you know it was it was it was good black guys with full full on afros you know well coiffed cuts and likes i i think the costume and the art director did really well and what the things you saw on the walls in places and then that camera that sam used hmm really nice really really nice um now i'm going to talk about the the, the scenes i love the most there was this really epic scene um where the black kids discovered that only tyler perry's madea was showing at the cinemas man fuck tyler perry yeah. Yeah. can we have a movie with you know characters in them instead of stereotypes wrapped in christian dogma why is every educated person inherently evil why is this nigga in a motherfucking dress all the motherfucking time how come the only black movies hollywood wants to make are ones with black mammies in fact or black women in pain, man. So basically, we got black people dying in the past and black people dying in the present. Most people are here to see Fang Nine. It's got two chains in it.
I mean, that shot is film school. You can't even take it away. I watched that and I was like, oh my goodness, God, this is so good. You know, the shot was well framed. You know how it's, ah, I don't know how to describe it, but it was so well filmed. And I love that scene like crazy. The next thing I loved was the explanation of the portrayal of black people by mostly white owned media. Since when do TAs give critiques? You invoke minstrelsy for shock value. To what end? To invoke the same feeling I get when I turn on the TV and see some so-called reality star shuck and jive for ratings egged on by no doubt white producers or the sassy black secretary with no backstory or character development aside from her skin color. So it's a tit for tat? Are you honestly saying that art can't be reactionary? You're reacting to something that's almost 100 years old. Oh, yes, because fear of black men involved in U.S. government is a completely antiquated concept. No social relevance today. Frankly, I just think sometimes you should hold a mirror up to your audience rather than dropping an ideological piano on their head. And frankly, I just think that works that deal with the African diaspora through a postmodern lens are outright rejected unless handled by a white artist. African diaspora? Yeah, I said it. I'm sorry, but blackface is alive and well in our culture. Who primarily buys hip-hop, watches Housewives of Atlanta, the same homogenized images of black people over and over again? White people. Like, can't you just agree? Don't, and, and I'm even going to do a piece about that, about the portrayal of black women especially, because you see there's this need to portray black people as classless, you know, loud, angry, bad I, don't worry you'll find check out my blog shades of us the ceo the uk i don't know when it's gonna go up but i'm gonna write a piece about that and it'll be on my blog my third favorite scene has to be where sam says black people can't be racist and goes on to explain it you honestly think this is in the spirit of armstrong parker house the role of counterculture is to wake up the mainstream i have furniture older than you counterculture is that what you think this is? Your little show? What about my show? The show is racist. Black people can't be racist. Prejudice, yes, but not racist. Racism describes a system of disadvantage based on race. Black people can't be racist since we don't stand to benefit from such a system. Oh my God. She was like, you know, black people can't be racist. Prejudiced, yes, but racist, no. And oh my God, it was just intelligent intelligent i know a lot of people are going to disagree with that but i think i hold that opinion too black people cannot be racist unless of course that black people have countries of their own and they're making black white people suffer until then black people are not racist <laughs> so to my least favorite scene hmm okay there was this point where kurt pulls out his penis while talking to lionel hi lionel what do you want Lionel, I spoke with the Dean today. We had a very enlightening conversation, and I just wanted to let you know, I'm sorry about the voice message. Do you accept? Do you? Please put that away. Look, sometimes you just gotta talk to these people in a language that they're gonna understand. Like, who does that? The height of disrespect, and then he goes, oh, there are certain things you need to do when you're talking to these types of people. What now? You know, I was so livid and so angry. I wanted to just slap some sense into Kurt. It's pertinent that I say that um, I'm not hating on that scene because it's bad, but because it was well shot. But I hate the scene because of what it represents, you know, that kind of racism. I hate racism. I cannot stand racist. So, yes, that really rubbed me the wrong way. 
Okay, the second thing I don't like about the film was the racist invite to the party that defined exactly how racists see black people. Dear white people, are you tired of your humdrum wonder bread existence of accidental racism and wishing you could sip on Henny out your crunk cup without a bitch giving you the side eye? Of course you are. For all those looking to unleash their inner Negro from years of bondage and oppression, Pastiche proudly presents Dear White People, our 89th annual Hollow's Eve costume party tonight at 10 Pacific time or five colored people time. Dudes, must rock, FUBU, Echo, Rock Aware, or Sean John. Triple XL is the smallest size t-shirt you can wear, preferably with the collage of Barack Obama and Tupac on it. Ladies, we need to see huge hoop earrings, long nails, and cheap, tight clothes. Proper hood rat starts fights, speaks loudly, and when she can't think of the words she's trying to say, just makes one up, such as edumacated. Now feel free to fry on up some chicken, bring some Kool-Aid, watermelon, 40s, and of course, that purple drink. Naturally, there'll be a freestyle rap competition, so bring it and join us for the party of the year. Oh, and, uh, nigga, 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 nigga. Boy, that felt good. Wow. So, from that invite, we are just a bunch of Kool-Aid drinking, chicken eating, fubu wearing, ass shaking, loud weave wearing people. I mean, I just, I, I couldn't deal. I, I know how much anger I was feeling when I was, I was listening to it. And I was like, wow just just wow you know and it's something that needs to be talked about and so generally i think dear white people hmm hmm i think it's a kind of film that needs to be done it's a kind of film that needed to be done to spark conversations around race and race issues these issues cut across many societies and years have gone by without an appropriate platform to talk about them to first to even bring them to light then to talk about them i am uber proud of what justin simeon has done by getting the conversation going conversations on race and racism skin tones and colorism portrayal of black people and black power interracial relations and the dynamics of taking back the narrative i absolutely love what justin did with the story and the direction of the film because it was beautiful it was intelligent it was witty it portrayed black people in good even the the supposed bad girl kind of girl you know had things done in an intelligent fashion and so everything about their white people is for the intelligent mind of course it's gonna rub on the racist wrong way it needs to be said you know um the question though is does the conversation change anything not necessarily i would say what it does show however is that there are so many dimensions to being black and that none of the stereotypes that most other races have about us is valid so there is no one type of black person and no one type of black you know and we're not just booty shaking women and top earning artists and athletes who wear big ass chains and all of that we are not that we're so much more than that yes we are some of that you know but we are not all of that, that that's not all we are so there's so many aspects to being black that is fantastic and it needs to be talked about we need to stop stereotyping black people and always stereotyping in the worst possible way i mean white people are stereotyped to be intelligent to be 
taking over the world, stuff like that. You had to ever hear the negative stereotypes. Why are black people constantly negatively stereotyped? It's it's annoying. It's annoying to be frank. It's annoying. It's tiring. It's disgusting. But you know that's what happens when you don't own your own narrative. So um, I think Dear White People is beyond being a film. I think it's a movement. It's a tribe. It's the truth. And it is work for days. So I'm going to rate Dear White People. And this is the second time I'm ever doing this. But I'm going to rate Dear White People a 10 over 10. That's how good the film is. That's how good Justin Simeon was in the film. That's how good his writing, his producing, his directing. That's how good the acting was. That's how good the message was. And best of all, that's how good the conversation that is sparked was. But that is my opinion. What do you think about Dear White People? Do you like the film? What are your favorite and least favorite parts? Share your views in the comment section. I'm ready to have them talk about them, argue, fight, whatever it is. But remember that you can select the movie for next week, just like Matthew Smart did. Thank you, Matthew. You made me go back to watch one of my favorite all-time films. And um, when you do select a film, we'll review it for you. So, I've come to the end of the show. I hope you listen to the end of this podcast to find out ways to contact us. And don't forget to tune in every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1pm or more appropriately at 1.05pm on our various platforms. We are across social media. Find us, like us, stay connected and stay tuned. It's Hugs and Kisses from Momot. Bye. That's a wrap on today's podcast. If you like us, then like us on Facebook and LinkedIn at Shades of Us. Or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shades of Us Afrik. Drop us a comment or tweet at us about any songs or movies you think would make for a great review. You could email shadesofusafrica at gmail.com or text to plus 234-905-912-7552. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you later.